Yes, you're with Nightlight. Nice to be back with you. Over the years, we've had a wide variety of guests on Nightlight, sharing all kinds of amazing personal stories and testimonies. And I think the story you're going to hear on Nightlight today is one of the most inspirational and extraordinary stories that you've heard so far. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Well, our guest on Nightlight is Amy Kalangwa, who grew up in a village in the North Kivu district of the Democratic Republic in Congo. In 2007, his happy village life was shattered when his village was attacked by rebels. What has transpired since is truly a miraculous and inspirational story that Amy himself is here in the studio to tell. But first... Let's start with a song from Silk and Steel.
That's an oldie there from a band called Silk and Steel World of Uncertainties. And the lyrics of that song actually set the tone for our interview this week. There's nothing more uncertain right now than the life of a refugee, and there's equal uncertainty on behalf of Western countries on how to take care of the millions of refugees that are flooding into their countries. So the story of our guest on Nightlight today can give hope and inspiration to many. Nightlight's interview of the week. And I am joined in the studio by Aime Kalangwa, who's visiting Uganda from the US, where he's attending Florida Atlantic University, where he's about to graduate with a double bachelor degree in criminal justice and political science. And he's also the co-founder of Everyday Hope Project, which is an organization that strives to provide refugee orphan children with a loving home and promising future. And just four years ago, Amy left Uganda on a plane to America. He'd never been on a plane before and he didn't speak one word of English. And now, four years later, here you are. Thanks for being with us in the studio, Amy. The microphone is yours. Please tell us your story. Thank you so much. My name is Amy Kalangwa and uh, I was born and raised in the Democratic of Congo which is uh, North Kivu, Miami, Masisi. Mm -hmm. So my village was a beautiful village, and uh, I grew up with uh, happiness, and uh, my mama, she was a Tutsi, my dad was Hutu. And um, when I went there, we grew up with uh, animals. We didn't have nothing to do. Our activity was just go hunting, play with the monkeys. Mm -hmm. My first clothes, I was seven years old. And I never have a cross on me until when I was seven years old. <laughs> my first shoes, I was like uh, 12. Where there was a missionary that came in a village and they were teaching a Bible. And uh, we have a uh, uh, different organization was come involved to like, teach us the gospel. And mm -hmm. also they put my mom in a charge on the, in the village to be a pastor since she was uh, able to communicate with the village. So she was a pastor. So that's why they provided me with the shoes. But in 2008, everything has been changed. Uh, my village becomes uh, totally changed. So the rebels came to my village because my dad, who was a sheriff, like a soldier supposed to protect the village. So they came in the village and uh, asked my dad uh, some documentation, which I didn't really clear what the documentation we were looking for. Even I'm still confused. And he seems to know about it. So they draw him outside and uh, cut pieces. And uh, they kill him really badly. They didn't stop it. And the next following day, they came and raped my sisters. And to make sure my mom, she's going to give them the documents my dad gave to her. But my mama, she was screaming, said she don't have it. And they uh, kidnapped my three sisters and killed them. And the following day, came back again. And uh, they were burning my brothers and uh, cutting pieces. It was really horrible. And my mama, she she gave mental problem. She can't think. She can't do nothing. I kept her mom escape, escape, but she can't even identify herself. Uh, that time we left me and my two younger brother and my mom. And that time she was pregnant, like almost seven months pregnant. That was in December two thousand eight. It takes us a three months, almost three months. March two thousand nine. That's how she came back. But in the meantime, the, way, the rebels were coming back to check on us if we're still there. 
This guy, remember, he came in between in uh, February. He hold my hair down, and he has a big machete in the right hands. And he was almost cut my head. But uh, another guy he screamed. He said, "Doc, kill him. We wanna make sure his mother watching it." And that time, my mama she was in a mental problem. She can't think. She can't move. So that's how I escaped at that time. In the March, when my mama come back, I she asked me, "What are we doing here?" She was completely confused what was going on. I show her the every single body for her child. Uh, try to identify her, but because the face was kind of gone and uh, the body was composed, so it was hard to identify who was who was it. But uh, she can I can tell her this was this, this was this. And that time we escaped at night. We didn't know exactly what we are facing. We just uh, throw our life in the middle of the forest without no sense direction where we are going. Uh, when we get in the middle of the forest. This is who is escaping. This is that your this, mother and you yeah, and now, your brother. Yeah, me and my two younger brother mm-hmm. and my mom. Now we try to escape. But the village, they were everywhere. The village, the, I mean, the rebels, they are everywhere in the village. So it was really hard to escape. But we tried. We didn't know where we are going. I didn't have education. No, this is south, this is north, this is east, this is west. I never got, I never have education in my life. So the only education I have is to count how many cows you have. If the one he lost, how many cows he has left, that's education we have. We don't have education to to know more than that. So we didn't know, no sense direction where we we're going. So when you get in the middle of the forest, my younger brother, he said he was thirsty. There was kind of lake or like a little river, stream, water, another side. And my mama told me to stand with them and she was going to bring water. And I was so curious how she going to bring water because we did, we escaped with it, our clothes in the back. We did escape with nothing. I thought maybe she was going to bring water in her mouth as uh, some animals does. I said, okay, let me just watch this. And I escaped with my brother. But when she closed the road, after the rebels, we were in the middle of the rebels, the training, where they train. So they find her. And they start asking her where another kids are. She told them, she left us in the house. She didn't want to tell them we were around there. And I pulled my younger brother, cover them eye down, because I know for sure if they're watching it, they're going to scream. So I make sure they're not watching it, and I hold them the mouth. One, they don't want to was almost kill him by accident, because I tried to hold them, and I tried, I hold with all noise. So I was almost kill him. And uh, they are Touch my mom, try touching her and uh, teasing her. Where's your husband? You look uh, beautiful more than your husband. Stop teach, touching her too much. And um, they raped her and she was pregnant. And then after raping her, they moved the baby. They said there was no born baby. You never know, it can become any mirror. And uh, they killed the innocent baby. And then after that, they put under the car and the driver drove away. And that was my last time to see my mom. And uh, I carry my back a little one who was who was saying he was thirsty and i tell another one to go in the front so at that time he was like 10 at that time i was uh i was just turned 15 and uh we keep continuing and uh like uh almost uh four mile they, they i start to feel like something heavy in my back and they start squeeze me squeeze me squeeze me and i was wondering what is that when I pulled down, I tried to pull down him. Actually, he was dead. He was been dead for a while until when he started to freeze. So I left his body on a tree, uh, like two meters or five meters from the body. I saw the hyenas start 
just drag him in the, in the bushes. The forest was really complicated. It was cold, slippery, and the tall trees. The only thing you can hear the birds, animals, the flags singing. Now you're on your own. That's me and now my, yeah, my another brother. Another brother. Yeah, but the one, the youngest now is gone. My mom is gone. And we continue. I remember I met a lion over there and uh, I thought my life was dead. I went to, to the lion and was uh, pulling his tail to kill me, but he just looked at me with his tall jaws and he just looked at me screaming at me and he didn't kill me. I said, I was just, I want to die that time. I tried to make a suicide more than five times. But it didn't happen. And uh, we keep walking. We, I don't know for sure how long we spent in the forest. I can't really identify I was staying this time and this time. But we walked for a while. And then the night was a long day for us. Only one day can be like a three months for us. In the midst of the guard, we end up in Uganda, which is, I didn't know I was in Uganda. Uh, there was a soldiers in the border. Well, as soon as I saw the soldiers with the guns, I went running through to them screaming and uh, just tell them to kill me. That's the, I want to go and then shoot me before I go to them. And they are pouring gun on me, try to stop me. And they keep going and stop me. They keep going because my brother, he was almost a die too. I, lay, I left him and they lay down. And when I went to them, they were speaking a different language as, I, they, as my language. And I identify actually, I was, I was with another group or another tribe, but I didn't know I was another country. I thought maybe this is another tribe. They are called someone who speaks my language and uh, they tell them the situation and uh, what happened to my family and they uh, welcome me in Uganda without uh, no papers. What was your native language? My then? language is Kigogwe mm-hmm. and my second language is Swahili. Mm-hmm. So they are someone who speaks Swahili and then we were able to communicate. So they are brought, I went, I brought my brother and then we entered in Uganda for no papers. But when we went in, when we were living in the border of Uganda, and then there was a people, actually more refugees was coming in that time. And it was so scary because we don't know who is the enemy, who is not enemy. And uh, we started working with a bananas truck, packing banana trucks to this guy who bring a banana to Kampala City. To his terrace, there's the people who speak my language, they have a church. And uh, that's how uh, we get right from there to here to Kampala. But when I get to Kampala, I thought my life was getting better. Actually, I was getting worse. It was really tough. I didn't speak language. I didn't speak, uh, I didn't know the culture. I didn't know, I didn't know even what the refugee means. I didn't know what the process to start refugee to register as refugee means. So I was just staying here in Kampala as uh, nobody. And they told me I have to go to police to register. And when I went to police to register, the form is in English, which is a completely don't know English. And I say, in order to get someone who filled the form for you, you have to pay money. And I didn't have no money, I don't have no job. And I went to the offices, help refugees. Nobody really was able to help me. They say, you are underage. Nobody really going to grab your case because everybody can be responsible for you, anything happen. And I was really tough for me. I was spending here for a while without no help. I went in a refugee camp. They sent me in a refugee camp. They said, go in a refugee camp, you will receive... Uh, First parents, you will receive uh, food, you will receive uh, everything you need, a medical assistant. When I went there, I spent there for month and month without no food, without no medicine, without no first parents, without no care. How did you survive if you didn't have anything to eat? In the meanwhile, there is a camp, there's a organ, the UN Sierra bring a food for refugees in the camp. 
and you have to have an ID to get car, to get food. And I didn't have an ID because I was underage. You have to be or 18 in order to get that ID. So without that ID, there's no food you can get. It's like a food stamp. So when people are getting a food, when they leave, there's a some beans are uh, stuck in the dust in the ground and uh, some maize, um, some corns. So I used to go over them and I pick them uh, some beans and some corns and uh, and uh, try to make a real fire with um, the U.S. corn. There's a U.S. corn oil they provide for refugees big. So I used to cut in the top and they make fire and then cook from it. And that's how I used to survive, me and my young brother. But I was so sick. I was in a coma almost three months. And uh, I didn't have nobody to take care of me. Where did you sleep? We are sleeping outside and uh, we cover ourselves with... Uh, there is a, this uh, food they provide refugee is in a plastic bag. Mm. So those plastic bags, I, I used to take them and they cover myself with a trash bag. But the problem is at night it gets wet. Mm. And then it gets wet and destroy the skin. Mm. So in the morning time, when the sun hit that skin from the wet last night, it destroyed my skin. My skin was start getting a summer, like uh, some nuggets in you know, me, like mm. some insect on me. I was completely out. My chest, I used to get beaten every day because um, I, when I went there, there was uh, some child who, their parents, they are rebels. And they are saying my father killed their parents because, you know, my father was a government soldier. Mm. He has to fight with the rebels. So if I find some children who their parents, their rebels, and my dad killed them, so of course I'm going to be the one who's in charge because I said, your father killed my father. Mm. So they used to tease me, abuse me, kill me, try to push me, beat me every day. So I did, I was not safe at all. So my chest, this, the bones on the, on the left side, my chest was completely out. I went to almost like a 20 x-ray in the, the biggest hospital in Kampala. I went to Mrago Hospital, Samja Hospital. I went to Fort Potro Hospital. I went to different hospitals. And they can't, they say my bones can't come together anymore. They said the only thing they can do is to play because there's nothing they can do because it was close to the heart. Mm. And um, God always has his way. Mm. And I believe in God. He tells us, I am the father. And I keep that in my mind because he say, I'm the way for everything. So I never give up pray because that's the thing that I've been getting, getting from my mom. And um, in 2011, the organization called Refugee Project grabbed my case and sent to another organization called Hias and I make a process how I can get resettlement. I didn't know what the resettlement means. But at that time, I did have a study that says someone who don't have a study, refugee studies, you can't get a resettlement. But for them, they start working in process before I get studies. The studies came after everything was done. And uh, usually, they, they, you have to get a study before they, they start any step. So I was the first kids in a history in a, from a refugee project, and I think we've hired to get a resettlement from them with uh, their company and a company refugee minor program. So they provide me before I get resettled, a few months before I get resettled, they provide me with um with assistant and uh with uh, with a first parents. So that's when I went in the US. Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight. Amy, let's just take a break here for a song in your story and we'll come back and you can tell us what happened to you after you went to the US. 
favourite songs, that one. That's Bethul, Out of the Darkness. Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. And on this edition of Nightlight, you're meeting Amy, who is attending Florida Atlantic University, about to graduate with a double bachelor degree in criminal justice and political science. He was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And as we've heard from his own harrowing story, when conflict and violence arose in his village in 2007, Amy's family was killed. And he and one of his younger brothers were the only survivors. He was homeless for two years in Uganda until he received assistance from the UNHCR and other local organizations who put him on a plane for Florida. That was just four years ago, Amy. Please carry on with your story. It's never completely dark when you're listening to Nightlight. Nightlight. The federal told me you're going to... In America, you, you're going to be in a state called Florida and in the city called Miami. I didn't know English how to ask a question, but I thought uh, Florida is going to be a man who's going to be take care of me. And I thought Miami is going to be his wife who's going to be my first parents. So here now, they come pick me up. The refugee project, they came with their car because I don't have a friend. I don't have nobody to take me to the airport. So they take me to the airport. And uh, I thought I'm, I was going somewhere. I would be coming visit, uh, take a border border or take uh, take a motorcycle or tax to come visit. But I didn't relax. I'm gone for long. And uh, I realized I was gone f- for long when I get to the airport. And I see everybody start to cry. The, the staff from Refugee Project start to cry for me. They promise me you're going to get a better life. But that's how I know I was gone. So when I get to the airplane, the airplane was really complicated. Was, uh, I didn't know how to use a toilet. Uh, I couldn't sit on the toilet because I thought man's gonna squeeze me and they drop me out in the plane. So I used to just help myself in the, in the beside. And uh, train attendants came to me, looked me so bad, and probably they are so upset, but I didn't know English. So we flew to Brussels, and I thought that was uh, America. And uh, I was so happy to say, now you're America. And then now we get another plane. Now we, we get up from, from Brussels to New York. All I was crying by thinking they take us to Africa. I said, why did they take us back to Africa? And uh, when I get to New York, I saw the snow. I never see snow in my life. I thought, this is heaven. I think this plane may get lost and end up in heaven. So I thought it's heaven because I never see snow. Everything was white. Everything was white. Imagine the, we went in January where there was a lot of snow over there. Mm. And I thought, now this is uh, somewhere I don't know. And then another plane to Miami. Now I didn't cry anymore. And I don't now I say, you know what? I know for sure we're in America probably. Now we are going somewhere else. When I get to Miami, everybody speaks Spanish. I didn't know I was in it takes me three months to figure out I was in the US. I didn't know where I was. I thought I was Caribbean somewhere because everybody speaks uh, Spanish in Miami. But when I get to Miami, they provide me first parents and um, I went to school. The school was really hard and difficult. Really hard. And I start uh, since they say I was 17, I get settled when I was 17. My brother, he was uh, 15 that time. And I say, since you are this age, we can't uh, take you to middle school, elementary school. According to my knowledge, I was supposed to go to elementary school, just with beginners, kids. They say, but because of your age, you're going to win in high school. Uh, the plan is just to you to learn English, make a friend. And after five years, 
you're gonna do something called GD to see if I can get high school diploma. And uh, I sit in a class with another student and uh, I talk to principal, the school, say if I pass all requirements for school, all tests for school, what can you give me? He said, if you pass everything, I'm gonna give you high school diploma. I say, seriously, yeah. I used to study 24 hours, never mm. sleep, reading different books, and also now running out into technology. My first parents, they are originally from Georgia, uh, is a, the name is Stephen Kappa and Melissa Kappa, who now I look like my family. They are like mm. my, uh, they are my family. I call mom and dad, and uh, I don't hesitate to, to say mom and dad. They are Christian. Uh, they, they do a lot of mission trips, and um, they have a, these organizations. They are the ones supporting uh, compassion organizations. So they are treat me like their son, and they support my education really hard, hard as they can with uh, an accompanying Fiji minor program in Miami and with a USCCB in uh, Washington, D.C. So I, I said now, I put my input myself. I force myself to start as I can. But I passed all requirement, and I was able to graduate with, uh, with my high school diploma. So the Lord helped you to learn English very fast. I can't imagine. That's what I say. Trust in God. The only care I use in my life is I'm the way he say he say himself in a, he say in himself uh, I don't know the verse in he say in the Bible but he say himself I'm the way. If you come to me, ask me everything. He say you don't need to go over there screaming uh, God the Lord. Go into your private room in a corner, cry. The Father who sits in heaven, he will see your problem and he will help you to guide you through to go through everything. Mm-hmm. I know I lost my family. I know I lost all my uh, entire family, friends, but I never lost God. Mm. And I know for sure every, everywhere I go, he's guiding me. And I believe, I don't want to use excuse. Uh, my pastor's excuse told me down. Actually, I want to use it to help others who think there is no God. In the U.S., people, they are teasing me around. They say, oh, if God is real, why let your parents die? Mm. It's, not, it's not that. God, he let his son, Jesus, die on the mm. cross for our sinners. Mm. Look at the things going on in Syria. Look at the things people still die. It's not because the God don't, don't know about it. But actually, we have it to run from it and how to appreciate. And also, that's his power to show you the way. Mm. And I believe, uh, honestly, whenever I lost my 10 members family, but uh, I changing people's life more than million people's lives. Mm. And most people they become Christian because of me. Mm. So losting ten family members, it helps me to gain million, million people wow. family. Wow. And that's the only things I appreciate to him to just to be, to make me who I am. He didn't stop that also. After when I finished uh, high school, he guided me through to college where I finished uh, my two years degree uh, my AA degree. Mm-hmm. And now finish uh, my bachelor degree and wow. working on my bachelor degree, and I will be using my personal book. I'm writing my book, which I'm gonna be using my personal life as my thesis for my masters mm-hmm. to show people how. Uh, because there's people using excuse. Uh, oh, I lost my daughter. Oh, I lost my my husband. Oh, I lost my uh, only one person, two people, three people. Imagine me who lost all family. I don't know the background for my father because when they get married, the, their family chased them away because they were a different tribe. So the, their family chased them away. 
So I don't know the background for my mom. I don't know the background for my dad. I don't have an uncle, auntie, grandpa, grandma. I don't have nobody. So me, what can I say? If someone, they can make excuse for, for what they are going through, mm-hmm. what am I going to say? So it's just play God. And then now, but when I get in the U.S. over there again, I didn't want to just enjoy having a pizza, enjoy a hot dog, enjoy, enjoy hamburger. I also want to help other kids who I left with them here who didn't get a chance to get a settlement. So I created this foundation. It's called Everyday Hope Project, mm-hmm. which is I'm supporting more, uh, it's more than 40 kids now we have uh, from different countries. Uh, they were refugees. Some of the, they get raped. Some of them were a child soldier. Some of them, they get beaten. So they are really have a mental problem and uh so the the target our goal is to guide them how to register i don't want them to suffer as i did mm. i don't want them to to get raped as my mom mm. i don't want to get all the struggle i went through as i did so half my paycheck mm. i used to send them i even i'm still doing it to pay to pay some uh, education right now we have uh, almost uh Five kids mm-hmm. attending school. Some of the they are a senior one. Some of them are still in the primary. So I pay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we try to get donation from different people, but it's too hard for now because we are now known yet. But uh, this definitely try to see people understand the situation we're living in, and also people. Some people Ugandan people here. Some they are nice, and others they take advantage of those kids. Not even Ugandan also. Other people, the, the situation they are living is not mm. that really clear. So we try to see how we can uh, communicate with another NGO here to see if they can help us with a healthy uh, food, maybe for rent. So those are all things that kids need, uh, but it's still not easy for us. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. Well, Amy, it's just amazing that it was just four years ago when you stepped on that plane as a refugee going to a strange land you'd never been before and not speaking one word of English. And now, four years later, you're graduating from university. Absolutely. I tried That's to think. amazing. Yesterday, I was giving a speech, a speech in the refugee project, mm-hmm. the one who resettled me to U.S., Yes. I was the first person to resettle, and I was the, I'm the first person to come back to show them what they did and mm-hmm. how they helped me and uh, how the God has been changed. And God can touch other people's life, mm-hmm. however they may not be Christian, but they can He can touch their people's life and mm-hmm. then use them to help you. He mm-hmm. say I'm the way, so He go through to everything, mm-hmm. and He just make a path for you. Mm-hmm. I remember in a in the Bible when Moses he was uh, taking us. Uh, the Israel mm-hmm. from Egypt to to go to promised country. Mm-hmm. There was a big lake, uh, this ocean. He said, "I will, I will make it the way." The the ocean divided by two, and they went through. Me, he didn't even he didn't even open the ocean by two only. He did the land, the ocean, the space. Everything was open for me. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I go, I know for sure I have a bless from him, and uh, I will never pray for him. Another things I forgot to, to mention. When I went to US, I have a really hard time to 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 deal with my first parents, mm. and uh, I heard they were eating a hot dog, and I thought uh, it takes me a while. It takes me almost eight months to eat hot dog because I thought I was divided by two, hot and the dog, and I said now I see why American actually they keep their dog for 
inside. They don't want to go to go outside as in Africa. We do is to eat them on a on a fourth of July, or uh, I say maybe to eat them on a fourth of July. So that was a uh, uh, that was why I didn't trust a hot dog. I was divided by two hot and dog, mm-hmm. and. Um, the, my first parents, it takes a while to trust them because I didn't know where they, where I was. Imagine mm-hmm. living with someone, you don't know if that kid was is crazy. You don't know if that kid is is was child soldier. I don't know them. They don't know me, and they have another two kids. They don't know if I can wake up in the night and then suicide or mm-hmm. kill them. I want to appreciate for the first parents, the one who volunteer take care for any kids. Those people that really work so hard. I can mm-hmm. see how I used to give them hard time screaming at them mm. and i was really mad hopeless i didn't know anybody can give me real love i was completely lost my trust but i want to appreciate everywhere in the world the people who do first parents mm. to be a parents to another person you don't know you don't even no idea how that person came from you only know uh my his name is emekaranga he's from congo does he he lost his parents but you don't know my personality. You don't know what I can do at night. You don't know what I can do the following morning. So I really appreciate them. So they, they really work so hard and with their compassion. I feel before I knew what it was to be born. I before I developed much of my own. I was
first songs we ever recorded at Radioactive Studios way back in year 2000, I believe. Written and produced by Andrew V, and that was a remix of Soldier Boy, sung by Titan. And that song came to mind when Amy was talking about the child soldiers who he's been trying to rehabilitate as part of his Everyday Hope project. It's never completely dark when you're listening to Nightlight. Amy, very few people in the West have gone through the kind of traumatic experiences that many people do go through in some countries in Africa and now many of the countries in the Middle East where there are all kinds of terrible conflicts and insecurity. It's painful for us to even think about having our parents and brothers and sisters brutally killed in front of us. How have you personally been able to deal with this? Has it left any lasting psychological or emotional scars? I mean, do you get nightmares? How have you managed to rise above this and become the positive, smiling person that's sitting in front of me right now in the studio? True. Um, I was born in, I mean, I was born in a Christian family. My mama, she was a Christian, but it doesn't mean it makes me to be Christian. You can be born and raised in a Christian, but you have your own path. Everybody has their own path. And I, there's a time after my parents died, Mm -hmm. I was completely dot lost the faith in God. I thought mm. there was no God. I thought there was no Lord. I started cursing on him and mm. uh, I thought if they can have a front of me. Sometimes I used to get bigger work and hang the tree. I say, if you are God, now feel how I feel. Hang the tree, hang everything and thinking maybe if you can see me, you can hear me. I know you are here. I know you can feel me how, how I feel. So I cursing on him, uh, like punching at the ground and uh, like feel like I can fight with him. But uh, later on, I realized actually he makes him who I am. And uh, I never give up my prayers. Every every day I pray and uh, every day I can see the, my life changes. Mm. So the only key I use, yes, I get mental problem, which is my brother he went through right now. Uh, I tried to pray for him. Mm. He has been a lot, changed a lot for his parents because... Uh, Nobody can understand him. Mm. Everywhere he go, the first parents uh, they say, "No, we can't handle this kid," and uh, he has a man, he has a, these issues mm. going through. He didn't be able to graduate from high school because uh, does the same situation. So, but the only things I believe is to pray. Mm-hmm. You can have a lot of cancer in your life. You can have a lot of therapy in your life, mm. but uh, does there nothing? The only mm. therapist, the only counselor is Jesus. Mm. That's the only one who can save a life. Who can counsel you? Who can show you the way? Who can uh, do everything? Sometimes I get nightmares, uh, people chasing me around. Uh, sometimes I get uh, scary. Sometimes I I was almost uh, die in um, in my nightmare, mm. and I wake up so quick and start praying. Say, God, please, uh, I need your support. And uh, if this uh, vision you wanna show me, please show me the sign. Let's mm. be clear. Because sometimes you know people they may be confused between dream. And a message from mm-hmm. God, so I make sure I understand: is it this just a dream or is it a message? Mm-hmm. Before I came in Africa, to, um, before I came back here, mm-hmm. I know for sure there's some enemies. I still have an enemy here, mm-hmm. and I know for sure any time I can get killed, mm-hmm. for sure, like uh, from my parents, mm-hmm. the enemy from my parents, and I start seeing some of them around, mm-hmm. and uh, but I have a faith, mm-hmm. and I have a message. He said he told me. Go there, I will protect you. That's mm-hmm. why I don't scare. I can take a uh, motorcycle at night and then go everywhere I want because I know for sure he's there with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, but if I say, oh, you know, I'm scary, I'm scary. Now I show 
devil mm. he has a pardon god because mm. i now i give him respect yes so i don't want to give him that respect yes. if a god said do it does it if mm. he open he open mm. so that's why i came here i say you know i'm going to buy a ticket people are saying wait until when you become american citizen when you go there you have a problem you can go to america and they can support me i say no i'm going to go with my travel document and i will be safe in the name of jesus mm. and i will come back mm. and i am doing it Mm-hmm. I go everywhere visiting my kids. Uh, we're gonna go to the beach. I'm um, gonna show you. I'm um, eating with them, uh, dancing with them. We crying. We we are sharing a story last night, mm-hmm. and the kids were telling the story where they came from. They are open. We crying. There was a lot of tissue. We crying. We hug. We feel mm-hmm. each other. We feel open. I tell them it's not because I'm from US. Or I we we are the same. Mm-hmm. And one day when the the old guard opened the door. You guys will get seventy different countries. Mm. The only key you can remember is to remember to pray. Mm. So right now I'm trying to see if I can provide them with a Bible. I came with a, some tablet. Mm. It has a Bible version in it, mm. which the, each kid we we gonna be having a uh, reading Bible every day with uh, the our coordinator Alex Quizera. He's gonna be reading a Bible mm. with them every day. So. I try to see if I can get more money so I can provide them uh, more materials and uh, mm-hmm. Bible, uh, audio Bible because mm-hmm. some of them they are not they don't know how to read but they can listen. So at least if we have a Bible in Swahili they can listen and who know how to read we can uh, read in English. We try to practice, to teach them to practice English too. Mm-hmm. Another problem also I forget to mention is we have some problem who the child who a child soldier mm-hmm. which is they are really hard to to not to become back in a society mm-hmm. so they are like uh, at night they may want to they want to fight they you know they have a damn mentor how they are trained how mm-hmm. they use they are use them with drugs and uh, mm-hmm. teach them how to kill so now, now we have a real that problem to to manage how they can leave others so mm-hmm. i was paying attention this is the research i was actually seeing when i went there we, I was giving them more attention, more than other kids, because they need the more support, uh, they need the more um, assistance. And now other kids, they feel jealous. Mm. They wish if it were a child soldier too, so they can have um, the same support. <laughs> and I start seeing that, so now that's the problem we have. We have now to balancing mm. them and uh, in a different way. But so far, um, so far so good. Mm. We just need more support and more help and more prayers. Pray for us. Shining bright through the dark night. You're listening to Nightlight. Amy, just let me ask you, what are you studying at university and what are you studying for? What are your plans for the future? I started uh, criminal justice and political science and uh, now I'm going my master's in uh, international relationship. And my main uh, goal is... Uh, to work in an NGO, I can come back work in refugee camp here or work uh, in uh, with a refugee. Mm-hmm. Right, right now, I'm volunteering with the United Nations, uh, you know, UNCR, and uh, NGOs uh, in the Global Youth Committee. We we come together and then sharing ideas about the refugee youth and uh, what they, they, what their needs. So I'm working with them now, but. Uh, I'm going to be working overseas. I try to see if I can work uh, with, uh, as in refugee camp, as I say. And my main uh, goal is not to make money. 
with my degree i have a lot of connection i met uh, i met obama and uh, i yeah i met uh, different people like really big people i can go there ask a job and uh, i have a business card i can go over there and then give me a job after i finish uh, uh, university but that's not my main goal my main goal is not to make a lot of money mm-hmm. my main goal is uh, how people's life can be changed with uh, the little world Mm-hmm. So my main goal is to come back where usually from where you're from. It doesn't matter Congo, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter Uganda, it doesn't matter. We are all we are all the same. We are all the same people. One mm-hmm. people, one blood. So it's to come back wherever I'm gonna be. It doesn't matter Congo, as I say. As long as I'm gonna be helping with a refugee, mm-hmm. with their needs, and be the voice mm-hmm. for those kids, and be the voice for those youth, because wow. they don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. We have a people who talk about uh, resettlement. When you take a look at it, United States is the f- first country give a large resettlement for unaccompanied refugee minor with uh, like the youth. Mm. And other countries, they are only take the, the adult people, stuff like that. But they forget after this generation, they, they, those kids, they see like they're nothing. Those are little kids, they see they're just homeless over there. They are mm. 10 years old, 15 years old. They are forget that's the next generation. Mm-hmm. You know, the tree, you can make a straight tree when it's little. But mm-hmm. after when it's grow up, it's hard to change. Mm-hmm. If we don't make a straight this generation, this youth right now, it's going to be hard for us in the future. We are not going to have nothing. We are not going to have a next president. We are not going to have a next uh, high commissioner. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the generation now we should be focused on. Mm-hmm. So I want to persuade more countries to be involved to give them a settlement mm-hmm. and uh, give the those kids give them opportunity let them come in your society we send them australia send them canada i know it's a lot of work you have to provide them food stamp medicare and a lot of system but trust me after when they are finished their education they're gonna make a lot of impact in your society wow. and they're gonna change a lot of people's life as i did as myself i didn't go there just I supposed to have a vacation in different countries. I supposed to go in Europe. I supposed to go wherever, but I choose to come here to give others people's hope, and also to do the something I'm doing, mm-hmm. and also I'm an example to those who already get resettled in the U.S. before me, mm-hmm. to see to show them that they can do the something I did. If they want. it doesn't need to be a lot of money, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to to say a ticket to go over there. Only like you can buy a ticket, mm-hmm. and we help like just. To feel empathy inside, mm-hmm. so that's the, my my uh, main goal is to make sure uh, we we are on the same page and uh, try to grow in the new generation together and uh, see. laugh and we would play we would cast away our worries with every passing day we were reaching for the stars wanting to go so far to the little ones who needed and that's why I want to plead again don't Never say no, no, don't you give in Don't you know you've got the key to the door 
days have passed and those mountains we have climbed yes you're right it seems so fast but we've left them all behind but we've got to move along now though we can't give up our song now cause it's written in the wind that we'll have to sing again Yes, it's worth the pain and tears to see the fruit of yesterday That in spite of all our fears we came this far Yes, it's worth the pain and tears to see the fruit we have today But our dreams should still be reaching for the stars Give up hope, my friend Never say no, no, don't you give in Don't you know You've got the key to the door Your faith means more to me Don't give up hope, my friend Don't give up hope, sings Sam Halbert. And I believe that your testimony, Amy, will give hope to anybody, anywhere, that no matter how bad their pain or suffering or whatever dark, dark time they may be going through, there is indeed hope that eventually the Lord will work all things together for good, as he has indeed done in your case. Well, we're almost at the end of the program. You still have the microphone. Anything else that you'd like to share while you have this opportunity? The the main point we have to spread, you can say in my t-shirt I'm wearing here, mm-hmm. is called hope. Hope is a small word, but actually has a lot of meanings. It's just not just hope, hope. So when I give you my speech everywhere you go, I, I was in Geneva, I was in uh, Washington. I travel in different places to give the same message. My message is uh, people to understand the situation. Like, not like to complaining the life they're living in it, but is to appreciate the life they're living in it. Because outside them, there is other people who don't have, they don't have no idea how people live another life in other, in other countries. So when I give a speech, I want to make sure people they understand the, the, the situation of a refugee and a company refugee minor or kids who's under age 18. We call them orphanage. Oh, they are refugees. They are orphanage. That's their name. That's their rebel. We put them. They are orphanage refugee. But actually, they have. They are carrying something too. I want them to feel empathy for them. So, one person. I may be giving a speech for hundred people, but I believe two people or three people in that hundred people will really understand and will really make an impact on on it. And I can see some people that already came here. 
uh, from Geneva, the way in uh, mm-hmm. Makerere two weeks ago mm-hmm. to visit the kids and uh, they start now understand the situation. Because these kids, we are the future. I believe uh, we are next generation. And I believe uh, if we work with them, guide them, I think the world will be uh, somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really trust and believe God loves this generation. Shining Love's Light. You're listening to Nightlight. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for being with us on this special edition of Nightlight and sharing your story with us. If you listening would like to know more about Amy's project to help refugee children such as he was and what practical ways you could be a help, then you can visit his website at www.everydayhopeproject.org. That's everydayhopeproject.org. Org. It's been great being with you as always and I'm already looking forward to being back with you next time for another edition of Nightlight. Bye-bye.